blue because i thought about doing that but he doesn't want to let me <laughs> no. he doesn't let you that's all uh, no 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 i don't have an iron fist about that i'm just giving my input that's all yeah, got an opinion on I, like it i say i, I say do it 100 percent. i love it it's like it's my spirit color i can't imagine myself without blue hair at this point um i will say it does take blue it's it is like my color but it uh it's unfortunate in a minor sense because it is the color that takes the most work to maintain. Um, mm -hmm. I'm probably slightly more obsessive about it than most people. Uh, that's pretty good idea. I'm, I'm much more obsessive about it than most people. I need it to be like, a perfect blue at all times. I never want any shades of green or anything. I'm um, it's a silver that's cool, but uh, what I do, it's like at least once, well, maybe not once a week, but like probably at least like two or three times a month. Um, before I have the shower, I'll like touch it up. And then when I get in the shower, I'll mix in uh, some slightly darker dye with my conditioner and just condition my hair normally like that. And that sort of has a sort of a color depositing effect, which helps maintain. So that's that's what I do. I, it's been like a learning process, but that's my current way of yeah. doing things. Well, it's perfect it for this time of year, right? I mean, it's the right color for winter. Now, are you, you going to be dark hair or light hair? Uh, I have naturally brown hair. Which is not extremely dark, but it doesn't. My hair in particular does not lift well, so that makes the bleaching process a, a huge ordeal, and uh, that's that's the worst part of it for me. I, I don't. That's the thing I, I'm I worried about. By myself, huh? but I go to I do most of the actual coloring and like retouching by myself now. But I go to a salon for the bleaching because I know I would burn my hair off if I tried to do it by myself. Yeah, I was worried about that because the hairstylist that I normally go to. Um, she was like, uh, yeah, if we go, if we go to bleaching, you're going to lose some hair. Where's your wig at? In the front room um, somewhere. I think ultimately, let's see your hair. I, you know, I, your it's hair is, yeah, it's dark, but like, I don't, I, I mean, I, I, people with darker hair than mine, uh, have less trouble with bleaching. It's really? not just the color. I think you should, I mean, people... Like, I mean, I've seen, like, you know, you look at, like, uh, you know, Japanese people, African people with, like, very dark hair, and I've seen them get, like, shades of, like, gray and silver that I could never get because it would require, like, double or triple bleaching, and my hair would disintegrate under that amount. So, it is it is a personal thing. Ultimately, you just need to find, um, see, I don't, I don't, like, go to standard salons that much. I go to, like, people who specialize in color. Okay. Um, and uh, and if, if you find someone who like is is an expert on that stuff, they should be able to do what's right for your hair. And it might like it might mean that it uh it'll take you know longer, or you might not be able to get like a pure white bleach, but you should be able to get enough to get uh, a solid blue like mine. I I, well, I, I don't know anything. if you can see it, but I am letting my gray go in. See that I I love that because I I think. I don't know when it's going to happen for me. I mean, my father, like, had fairly dark hair, you know, well into his 60s. So, but I, I would love to go gray because then I would need to bleach less. And that's the part I hate. Right. So, yeah, that'd be. 
Yeah, if, if you if you get the gray going, then just yeah, just like color over that, you'll be fine. I'm 56, and I got my hair from my dad's side, and he was literally like salt and pepper at 80. I mean, and a right. lot of pepper was still in that salt. Distinguished. So I'm I'm not gonna go gray gray like all the way. Like like his grandfather was full gray by like maybe 60, 50, 60s. Right. And I mean it's just it wasn't gray. It, it was white. It was absolutely white. Yeah. You know? So and and I see a lot of white in his hair that I think it's he's probably gonna follow his grandfather. On his maternal side. Well, if you want but, blue hair, go uh, ahead. I never no told idea. you you can't do blue hair. Uh, I have no idea. Like, as James, did you, did you do the eyebrows too? It looks like. I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, my aunt just turned seventy-five, and she's still dyeing her hair. So you know, I mean, we can get. A, and I'm fifty-six. We can get a catalog from okay. the hardware store and pick a swatch out or something if you want to. <laughs> Or we could go to a wig place and some wigs before I decide. <laughs> right. It's like a slightly darker blue than yours. Not that that blue would look bad on me, because I do look good in that blue range, like teal and royal blue, kind of lighter blues, because I do yeah. have the blue eyes to go with the dark hair. So. Well, also, if you go for the dark blue, you don't have to bleach. So that's a benefit. You could just try that out. Well, no, because I tried, like, I tried the Kool-Aid thing with the grape Kool-Aid. Wow. And you couldn't see, you couldn't see anything unless you went, unless I went out like full sun on a warm day. You couldn't. What is the Kool-Aid thing with the yeah, grape now, Kool-Aid? Now you got me curious. You it. use grape Kool-Aid as a form of dye. Well, I think you might need to try some better dye. Yeah. Right, that might right. That be part of it. Oh, yeah. Kool-Aid is not meant for that. <laughs> well, but and like, I did buy, I did buy a, uh, a I mean, blue dye. And it just didn't show. Well, I think you did hair. the cool thing just to see what it would look like, right? Yeah. Then you can wash it out. That's the point. It's like a temporary tattoo. Oh, okay. no, it's probably probably smelled interesting. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, totally. As I said, we just got a new album a few months ago, so there's there's plenty of stuff. Uh, yeah, and yeah, yeah, totally. And we have we have the music videos too. I don't know if you saw those. Oh yeah, yeah. But, we, got, uh, we got some opinions on the music. Yeah, we got some, yeah. we picked out some tracks we really liked. Yeah, actually. So awesome. yeah, yeah. yeah. The baseline in Dune. Um, now is that uh, attributed to the movie? Um. So I actually. So all right. Um. I wrote that song a few years ago, mm-hmm. based on nothing but like the sort of uh vague ideas I had about Dune just by like osmosis because i'd never like read the book i'd never seen uh the movie i'd seen like probably bits of it and i'd seen like bits of the series with james mcavoy but like mm-hmm. i was just going off like bits of things i'd heard about it and it was sort of like um a song inspired by my like general impression of the dune franchise um and then uh i i like put it aside and uh i, I had the lyrics but i don't think i had a riff for it yet and then uh, in 20, was it, I guess it was 2021, um, the movie was coming out, and I, I, I reminded me, oh, I have these old lyrics, I should show them to the band, and we sat down and crafted that song about it, and put it out in time to coincide with the release of the new Dune movie. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was the story behind that song. Have you since, have you since read the book, or watched uh, the films? I have not. My brother okay. encourages me to. I just I I have respect for it, but um, mm. it just the style of 
uh, storytelling does not appeal to me that much. Yeah, in the first um, one, kind very, of bomb. Oh, it was horrible. The first one really oh, was yeah. kind of notorious for being a uh, disappointment, like a big budget know, disappointment. But it's not really called Hearts, though. Like, really? staying in that movie is iconic. It's a cult classic, but box office-wise, yeah, it was a disappointment. Right. No, it was bad. I, I saw it at the box office. I was My dad and I went. I had, He knew I had read the books, and it was just like, ugh. Yeah, if your expectations, the book going into that. It was just too sloppy. It's always a personal experience. The new one, though, with Timothy Chalamet, if you don't read the books, the new movie with Timothy and Zendaya is really good. It is. And it it fits with the books. But the thing is, I feel like... If you do read the books, it's good. Yeah, the the, right. And um, I feel like the further away you are from having read the books, the less judgment you're going to have over the movie versus the book i did read the books i enjoyed the books there was a little bit of technicalness that i didn't because i read the books when i was much younger like as I, I was still in high school when i read the books so when the movie came out i was very excited and very disappointed um but you love the song that james did i did like, the song. I do like your song so why don't we play a little bit of that right right here That brings up a good point that James is actually an avid science fiction movie buff. Mm-hmm. If you read his blog, he's uh, very passionate about uh, you know science fiction. Um, so does that infuse a lot of the lyrics of your songs, or does that come manifested in Hot Apollo's set list? Oh, big time. So, I mean, I write what's in my heart, and my heart is full of fantasy and romance. You know, those are, and those are two themes that... Um, are are in in like so much of my music and poetry uh often often to, uh like together and intertwined um because i honestly um i uh the sort of uh base level of of reality that that other people um you know uh impress upon the world uh doesn't really always make a lot of sense to me uh whereas fantasy um and and sort of uh, like mythology always feel like more emotionally real and tangible to me. Um, so that's when people say like, right. You know, uh, that's what I know. I know other worlds. I know like sort of other, I, I know magic. I know, I know mysticism. So that's, that's a lot of what infuses 
um, the way I interpret the world, uh, in particular through my art. And it's just a lot of fun, too. You can see that. Yeah, you can see that in the videos and, the, you know, the lyrics. I really... You don't want to put somebody in a box, but it's it's glam rock, right? I mean, it's uh, I love it because it's actually rock and roll. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's like guitar yeah. music. I mean, it's mm -hmm. really hard driving music, like uh, you know. And you've got that music, and you're very glamorous as a front man, so it's easy to kind of throw that label at it. Right. If we were to, you know, advertise it with a label, I know uh, your generation and younger don't like labels. I mean, labels can be useful. They're just, I feel as though they're, they're, they're shorthand, right? They're not, they never yeah. perfectly encapsulate a subject, but they can be useful in sort of giving you a frame of reference to, to consider a subject. So I don't, I don't have a problem with them. I just would not be bound, uh, like too thoroughly to them. That's how I, that's how I would frame labels. Okay. And I'm going to ask one other question. And this is a question I ask a lot. Um, I'm guessing you have gotten the label ADD. Uh, yeah. uh, so that's, um, that's funny. So I've been diagnosed with a bunch of stuff over the course of my life. Um, two of the earliest and, and most long lasting ones were, uh, autism and OCD. Um, uh, there's some anxiety in there too. Uh, I don't think I've ever been formally diagnosed with ADD or ADHD, but a lot of people have assumed that I have it. I definitely have the H. So that might be a sort of, um, uh, source of confusion. Um, and I think a lot of the ways, a lot of the, the behaviors, uh, I manifest, um, are also, uh, common in people with, with, uh, th those disorders. So there, there are some like resonances, but to my knowledge, I've never had a formal diagnosis for either of those. Um, it's, it's still possible, but it just, it's, and it could be because the doctors I was seeing were more concerned with, uh, treating other elements of my psyche. Um, and I do, you know, there are people I know in my personal life with uh, ADHD, and I get along very well with them. I think that's because we do have some of the same behaviors, but that doesn't necessarily mean I have it. So that's right. that's a bit of an open question um, that I haven't really cool. delved too far into. Lisa okay. was diagnosed through uh, an MRI, was it? Well, no, I was actually diagnosed. I was told I had it at 12, and I was put on a... Um, a new drug that was in testing for three years. It was called uh, Silert, and it is actually the precursor to Ritalin. Hmm. So, huh. and it did help me. And one of the things is, um, do you ever take speed and it helps you sleep? It calms you down. No, but I think that was like a thing in the 60s. Please? Wasn't it? Yeah. Well, it I think like... 70s. Uh, yeah, 60s and 70s. But Ritalin is actually a form of speed. And that's why, uh, you know, people who are on Ritalin legitimately can sell it to others who don't need it because well, it speeds them up. You know, there's two sources of true medical information in this world. It's WebMD. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wikipedia. No, no. I mean, just the everything else is just the opinion of some doctor somewhere. Yeah. Things that I know when I was diagnosed with ADD at 12. Now, when I was 19, I had an MRI. And um, uh, because my family has a history of uh, strokes and aneurysm. So they did an MRI when I was 19 just to see what was going on. Then they did an MRI for a study they were doing. And the technologist said, 
did you know you have ADD? And I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, I can see it. It's right there on your scan. And this was when I was 19. So that was, uh, let's see, 1975. Or no, 85, 1985, I was 19. And the guy used the MRI and said I had ADD. And I was like, wow, really? You can tell that from an MRI? And apparently there's lots of things you can tell. You can see. Um, well, anybody that's you can interested, actually, they can they can diagnose homosexual tendencies. Anybody that's interested in sensitive medical information about you, just has to refer to this. Part. <laughs> yeah. That's actually fascinating. This makes me want to get an MRI. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I'm right. wrong. I think I got something that diagnosed my epilepsy at one point. Um, uh-huh. I, I can't remember what machine that was. There was some sort of brain imaging machine, but I don't know what it was. That's really cool. Were you in a tube for like 40 minutes or was it just things stuck to your head? Uh, I think I was in a tube. It was okay. really like, they, but they like forced me to stay awake for like, like 24 hours or something before that. So, and wow. I, I, I barely remember what was going on. Yeah, um, I, yeah. I, uh, I remember just like there was a nurse in my room. I was in the hospital for something else at the time and mm-hmm. there was a nurse in my room and the like 90s Street Fighter movie was on the television. And then, uh, I, I then I was brought down to the basement, put in in some sort of room, and I was like, uh, not really sure what was going on. And then, like on the following day, they said, "Hey, guess what? You have epilepsy. That's why your sleep's so messed up." Yeah. Let's uh-huh. get let's get back to the study yeah. of James's music, which is okay. yeah, freaking awesome. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, I, okay, I'm a, what is Kerrang? Yeah. Um, I just a sound like a sound that that like sort of felt <laughs> evocative to me. Just a sound know? that she said. I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We all kind of took notice of that yeah. word because there's a rock magazine called Kerrang. Uh, Mick Wall writes for it. Uh, some of the you know some of the the metal writers from the '80s write for that. And then it's also a character in a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Uh, canon. That's Krang, right? The the like pink like brain the, like I frog. Krang, yeah. yeah, it's one extra A, I guess. Okay, okay. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with uh, Teen Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm not like um, an absolute aficionado, but I've I've enjoyed several yeah. incarnations of that and the, quartet. And then the the Marvel villain is Kang the Conqueror. Kang, yes, I love that dude. Not sure I have. I don't have a song about him yet, but I do have songs that are definitely. Explicitly influenced by Marvel Comics. Um, one, uh, I think the one on my site right now is called, uh, Gwen Stacy. That's one of my favorite songs. <laughs> um, you have a single for that. Uh, yeah, and it's got multiple universal incarnations of that character, um, in different cool. verses. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know if I'm going to Yeah. What I like about your band and about you is that, um, you're a young man. But you're you you produce albums. You're you're an album creator. You know, um, you do you have singles. You do videos. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't want to be. We don't see a lot of album releases. In um, we're all over fifty. Okay? Yeah, so that's very familiar. And we grew up with yeah. albums, so we kind of expect albums. And and you do in, albums in the streaming world. Yeah, albums and, are kind of a yeah, not as thing, yeah. yeah. But that's no, very comfortable you, for us, you, you know. That's like vinyl at all. Uh, I actually put out my last single on vinyl. Yes, in limited oh, cool. uh, edition. It's, no, it's like a forty-five. Probably, like organize a way to 
Uh, I think so. I'm not an expert on the technology, but I, I knew someone who was. So uh, I could you know, it's one of the it's one of the it's one of the single records with the big hole in the middle, or is it a uh, like a full size? No, it's the smaller kind. Yeah. But yeah, if you if you want some, like let me know. We can probably work out a way to, for me to get them over to you. Oh. I haven't shipped much in the past, but I'm sure if if, uh, if the demand is there, just like reach out to me and uh, I can get it wherever. Well, yeah, I- now, Aaron, you actually have a re- an active record player. Ours is not working. We need to get a new one. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, find a turntable. Mm-hmm. Your uh, I, what I've noticed in some of your uh, cuts, like uh, Baby Lord and um, um, Dune. Uh, the guitar, the guitar playing in that is awesome. Who is your guitarist? And, uh, I mean, he's really yeah, good. How did you put together your band also? The, the whole band is very um, tight, very good. I just wonder. Honestly, most of it was through, uh, like, places like Craigslist and stuff, just like looking for people who had the same sort of drive and, and, and passion for the music that I did. Um, although, uh, one of the guitarists, um, the, probably the one you're hearing on Baby Lord, uh, is, was a sort of, he was like an acquaintance I'd seen like in the music uh scene around around Toronto for a few years. Um we had like a bunch of like mutual friends. We didn't like interact that much with each other, but we saw each other at like shows, parties, that kind of thing. And um we were I was playing my last show with uh my old guitarist before he decided that his life was taken in, in another direction. And uh we were playing this place called Lee's Palace. And uh this guy, uh, on this, this acquaintance, Sean comes up to me and, and, you know, says how much he loved our set. And uh, I say, yeah, man, I haven't seen you in ages. Uh, you know, we get talking, how things been. And he says he's looking for, you know, um, a, a new musical outlet. And uh, we get talking and realize we, uh, we would match quite well with each other. And, uh, he's, he's been in the band ever since. Cool. Yeah. Do you, do, do you guys do much touring or do you just play around Toronto? Well, just uh, mostly around Toronto. Um, let's play it. Let's play a little bit of Baby uh, Lord right there. Go ahead and okay. Uh, go ahead. Just, just, um, just how far? Oh, yeah. I just asked them. Um, do they tour yeah. much outside Toronto? 
Uh, currently, it's been mostly in Ontario. Um, a lot, a lot of our shows are in Toronto. Um, but yeah, currently we're we're sticking to that sort of area. We played shows in like wider Ontario here and there. Um, we uh, like I think we have a show in like Peterborough in the spring, but that uh, like we're still working on details on that. That's in, like some charity festival thing or something. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, right now we're like, trying to you know focus on on doing our like recording thing here and building up a base in Toronto. Um, and then see where it takes us. But yeah, so it's the right, like, sort of turning opportunity presents itself. Yeah. Uh, it is something where, where we look at. Cool. And now, uh, I just want you to know that if you tour in Cincinnati and you need some place to crash, we have a couch. <laughs> that is actually very good information to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 We even have a situation with an ottoman where you could get, you could probably get, you know, a shorter and taller person on it. Aaron can attest to our bed and breakfast situation. Yeah. He's been here. Yeah. When I That's when awesome. I go back to Cincinnati, I, I stay at the, the Chateau Huey. Yeah, right. <laughs> we are vegetarian, pescatarian, and vegan friendly. Good to know. I'm not sure we have any vegans in the band. Um, I remember once we played a vegan festival, uh, yeah. and they they just said before um, they they asked, they asked the one like who was sort of a like negotiating terms with the with the organizers, and they said just just so just so we're all fair, um, you guys are all vegan, right? Because, you know, that's sort of important to playing the festival. And I said, yeah, of course. And they said, yeah, well, that makes sense. You look vegan. So I don't really know what that means, but, you know, it's a fun festival to play. And uh, all, all the band loved the vegan food that was on offer. So we just, you know, didn't mention meat while we were there. Right. Um, that was like a few years ago now. So I don't think that I'm going to get in trouble for saying that. But uh, yeah, <laughs> so I, I've at least been mistaken for vegan. But no, I'm not currently vegan. I eat actually an absurd amount of chicken. You're right. If they'd read your blog, they'd have known that you're a chicken fan. Because I read your blog, <laughs> and uh, you were going on rhapsodic about how delicious chicken is. You know, <laughs> I think I wrote the post like afterwards because I wasn't always. I, I for a long time I actually like I I wasn't like deliberately vegan, but I didn't know how to cook, so <laughs> a lot of what I ate was fruit since it didn't require preparation. Um, and then when I realized that I was having um, a bad effect on my health because I wasn't getting enough protein, uh, a nutritionist said, "Listen, you need to get more protein." That's good involved cooking. So I'm going to teach you how to like cook the most efficient things for, for your health. Uh, here's what you have to do. Um, and, uh, and like chicken breast is a big part of that. So I probably eat like, like four or five kilograms of chicken breast a week. Um, but yeah, a lot of chicken and, and, and fish, some salmon, but I, some vegetarians eat fish. I don't I totally get the distinction, but yeah. That's pescatarian. Yeah. Well, I, don't know, I don't know if you're a baseball fan, but Hall of Fame. Batting champion Wade Boggs used to eat chicken before every game, so it's sort of like his spinach. That makes sense. Yeah, I eat, I tend to eat eggs before I work out. Um, I like I, eggs. I, I think that like I think it's something about the way it sort of sits. Maybe it's like a sort of psychological thing, but like uh, I don't know. I think eggs does no, it's digest like better for me. Most efficient protein delivery systems available to us even though it's not really high in protein yeah the human body gets more protein per gram from an egg than from any other source of protein oh yeah you and lisa could do a podcast on eggs that's the truth <laughs> that makes sense to me yeah that's how i start every day it's, it's good for us like eggs in every carnation yeah. <laughs> but so i always let's take a break right here for our sponsor and when we come back, I want to ask James uh, about uh, the nature of his band, you know, the sound of his band a little bit.
Oh, oh, good. All right. No, you yeah. you take as long as you need. No, I'm here. I just I, I need to deal with something in the other room, but I'm I'm on microphone, so I'm I'm all good. Oh, okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I like to say, I always I always say that I am not obviously not a musician, or I don't read music. I don't know music, so I fall into the trap of making comparisons whenever I hear new music. And you, you always, you always, uh, there's a possibility of offending someone if they don't like mm-hmm. an artist, but I tend right. to compare the sounds to things that I already know. Right. So when I hear hot Apollo, I hear a little bit of the cure. Interesting. Um, I've never heard that comparison before. I yeah. There was one it. riff that reminded me of just like heaven. There was one riff that I'm trying to remember. Where it was, I didn't write it down, but I heard it. You know, these things just go through your head when you're listening. But if you hear that song, just like heaven, there was a there was a uh, a rhythmic uh, guitar riff that really reminded me of it. Um, typo negative. Wow, I, uh, typo yeah, negative. That's, that's funny because I go to like a lot of like goth, like a lot of my friends like love goth music, and I like I dig it and I, I love dancing to it, but like it's not like something that's like always swimming around in my head. But uh, yeah, wow. Was it was it Vampire Road? Because I know a lot of my golf friends love that song, and maybe that's why. It was typo negative. We listened to their songs in like the last three days. All right. So they might run together a little bit. Yeah, I did not. I did not take a note down of which song it was, but it reminded me of uh, what's that one song? uh, Black Number One or something. But there was a riff. There was a good. There was a, a typo negative song that uh, there was a riff that emanated from something I was hearing off of your catalog that just it really resonated, sound that way to me. And I believe you mentioned the Pixies as well yesterday. Black number one is, I think, the name of the song. The Pixies. Okay. Aaron pointed out the Pixies. I, I mentioned the Pixies earlier. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I definitely like some Pixie stuff. And, like um, in this sort of like Southern way, but like this sort of like um, uh, Iggy Pop, like ninety no alternative rock. Originality. We're not yeah. saying that you're mimicking oh, yeah. these the, other. No, the, I mean the the vocals kind of reminded me of something between uh, Black Francis and Iggy Pop. Yeah, so Iggy Pop is definitely um, an inspiration as some, because like uh, not necessarily from an artistic point of view, but from sort of um, when I was first starting out, I didn't play any instruments and mm. I had no like vocal training. I, my voice is very raw to the point where, like, the bands I was with in high school would never let me sing. And, uh, both of pop and, like, you know, he had a sort of similar arc where he wasn't, he was forced to be the drummer in his high school bands as I was. And he, he wasn't even very good at that. But he had, like, a sort of natural lyricism and then stage energy. And those were, like, my two main strengths. And I thought, you know what? If he can make a, a career in music that goes for, like, multiple decades with those skills, um, like I'll give you a try too, and uh, right. so that was Iggy Pop was sort of a sort of um he set a, pre- a sort of precedent that like allowed me to that, that sort of like encouraged me to like take the jump into being a rock and roll uh, star despite not being a any sort of like formally trained musician. Yeah, cool. So did you get some vocal training? Um, eventually, uh, a lot of my early development was just through sheer stubbornness and repetition. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought I'm going to keep singing, and when you keep singing, you at least get somewhat better. And then mm-hmm. one of my friends said, uh, "You know, I I actually do have experience in teaching music, and there's a lot you can do with your voice that you have not been trained how to do yet. I can help get you there." And uh, that that set me, you know, on a on a like 
more expensive path too. That opens some doors for me too. Well, of course, Bowie. You know, it's like yeah, you can almost bring up something that Bowie had done almost with any artist. All these things are just these comparisons are more like just the ingredients that go into making something unique. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, all the, and the more diverse, the more dynamic and, and different your sound is really. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it's there for, for someone who's not articulate enough to discuss the music on a technical level, you know? Yeah. But yeah, definitely. I mean, you see, mm-hmm. you see some Bowie in there, the Ziggy Stardust, you know, the glam rock, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, T-Rex, you know, um, all that. And that's, and that's, it's fresh and it's new, but it's also retro, which is appealing. Is appealing to you know mm-hmm. people on like one, us. One level. <laughs> so I think it makes sense. And you know, T Rex is a. Uh, I don't hear a lot of people mention him, that that band, but Bowen is an artist I definitely vibe with because he similarly he he seemed to be possessed of a sort of uh, similar um, similarly fantastical worldview where he did seem to like interact with the world. Or, or sort of a different world from the one other people lived in. And that was something yeah, I always was, related to. It was very fantasy-driven, for sure. I tend to be most uh, enamored of, like, uh, artists and, and art that remind me of uh, something in myself in some way. And mm-hmm. uh, that sort of way of viewing the world um, always, like, really uh, hit a deep part of my soul. So, like, I'd say, like, Alongside um, Iggy Pop, like uh, T-Rex is one of the bands that like uh, lives most deep in my soul. Mm-hmm. That comes across. Why don't we listen to a little Bare Arms? Oh yeah, a lot of that comes through in that song. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, I wanted to ask about your videos. 
Um, are you more of a ask forgiveness or ask permission person? And I feel like this is a leading question because I think I know yeah, for, what you're going to say. <laughs> uh, I often don't, uh, sometimes I forget that asking for either is warranted or necessary. Um, I will say, uh, the one time we got into a bit of trouble was in a pickup shot for the Vampire Road video. We, uh, we shot a few scenes of that in a graveyard in a, in a sort of mausoleum, um, near a, like, somewhat like near my neighborhood. And, uh, we were just finishing up and I was like, the, the, the camera guy was like on me using my face and like, we were just like shooting the last like few lines of, of the song and like, Oh, this is the shot. This is like what we need. Then we're done. As we're doing that, a security guard comes up and, and like starts to wave us away. And he starts like, you got to be here. You got to be doing that. Um, and, uh, but the camera guy, uh, to his immense credit, actually, I'm going to shout his name out. Um, his, his company is called Gothic Arcadia music group. His name is Damien Cripps. Uh, if you ever need like, uh, and anything in the realm of music or, or video production, look them up. But, uh, to his credit, he stubbornly keeps filming, um, until we've got the shot. Then we turn to the security guard and address him. And then the security, security guard, uh, notices my, uh, friend and, and, uh, producer, uh, Damien is wearing a Misfits t-shirt and they start bonding over, uh, their shared love of Misfits. And this, like, security guard's, like, you know, cool. probably at least, like, 50 or 60. And, like, you know, he's, but he's, you know, he still has that sort of, I think he was probably at, like, punk shows when he was a kid. So he remembers. And, like, so he, he softens up and says, yeah, you know, all right, just, you're, you're done for today. So just to get out of here and then, you know, I won't bother again, but just, you know, nice yeah. shirt. And, like, you know, uh, I dig music too. We, we, we talked for a bit. It's a cool time. Yeah. Um, I noticed uh, yeah. working on love, the video for working on love. You, you notice people walking around in the background that you, you get a sense that they don't know they're in this video, you know? No, uh, that was a, uh, we, we do a lot of sort of gorilla style, uh, gorilla style, right. that's exactly yeah. what I, I love it. That I came up it. in our Ed Hartman episode so, just recently. The things that Philip and I have discussed because I'm asked forgiveness. He's asked permission. So, you yeah. know, we, You've yes. gotten a lot more yeses from just doing something and not even telling them. I mean, it's art. Like, I, don't art I, I don't think art needs permission to exist, really. Thank you. You know? I mean, mistakes can happen in art. I'll admit that. Like, there are there are pieces of art that can unintentionally offend people. And in that situation, I can imagine a scenario in which uh, forgiveness might be um, asked for. But I, I've never really been in that position. And, uh, you know, I don't intend to be. So, but like just doing the music video, yeah, it's just, you know, making art, like do what you're going to do, let, 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 let things happen. Um, we'll need and, a second uh, yeah. couch for the whole band if they come to Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> um, mm -hmm. Well, you know, we have recliners, so. Yeah. Um, and, and sleeping bags. So. Yeah. But anyway. And we have a, a sleep number bed. One side's broken, but that's, you know. You can go uh, Gaddafi style and, and. You know, on the lawn, but put a tent on, on the lawn. lawn or something. Depending on what time of yeah. year it is. But anyway, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. But they're Canadian, so they can deal yeah. with it. Uh, there's always the garage too. Yeah. Danny was sleeping in there. Why not? Well, you know? Yeah, and at least some of my band are like complete, like inveterate punks who would, you know, uh, who have a history of of sleeping and existing in in much worse conditions. So I'm sure at least they would be fine. I'm I'm probably like the princess of the band, um, so <laughs> I'll, I'll need to like like probably make my own 
considerations, but uh, that's on me. Um, but yeah, I uh, I always put a I'm welcome sure. basket out, and um, Aaron's never even opened it. <laughs> Quite frankly, he's basket. only he's been the only guest to stay at Hotel Huey. However, Aaron does leave gifts yeah. for us. He left us a perfectly good Big Lebowski sweater, complete oh, yeah. with oh. a, a pipe in one pocket yeah. with a little sure. bit of stash. And uh, and uh, some vegan food. Yeah. So, but that well, was nice stuff. Stuff that yeah, you don't want to fly back. Mm-hmm. Love that, James. You've been uh, really um, generous with your time. Maybe we should wind down here a little bit. But uh, mm-hmm. let me start with oh, my question. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you would like to highlight? Um, I would just like to say that uh, you know, if you're a fan of of music of any kind, and especially if you have any sort of affinity for uh, rock and its various permutations. Mm-hmm. Um, look up my band. We're called Hot Apollo. We're available uh, mm-hmm. under that name wherever you find music or anything else on the internet. SoundCloud, Bandcamp, iTunes, Spotify, uh, YouTube, wherever. Um, mm-hmm. Same for our social media handles. All of them are Hot Apollo. So yeah, if you search for us, you'll mm-hmm. find us anywhere. Um, you can even reach, reach out to me if you have any questions, comments, uh, requests for merchandise like vinyls, shirts, or, or whatever else you might want. Um, or see, I want chat, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm open to all sorts of things and, uh, I'm, I'm readily available. So, uh, yeah. And, um, if you happen to have any means of making it into Toronto, uh, within the next, uh, week, as today's the 3rd of December for me, we have a show at a place called Duffy's Tavern, an excellent, like, uh, rock and roll venue, um, on December 10th, uh, next Saturday. So, if you're able to make cool. that, uh, come and check us out. Swing by, walk out with us, grab a drink, have a chat. Just, yeah, get down and dance. Outstanding. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Aaron, anything to add? Mm-hmm. No, so uh, nice to meet you, James. It's oh, um, so Hot Apollo is spelled with one P and two L's. That's right. I tried to like spell it with God. two P's and that did not work. Yeah, that will not. That happens sometimes. I've definitely, I've played shows where like the, the like promoter has like put that the on the spells it wrong. So it happens. Right. No, it's it's usually corrected by the time we get to the marquee stage. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's not not an issue at all. Stuff happens. So, Aaron, you got a last question? Um, I don't think so. I dig your music. Good luck with uh, everything. Yeah. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat with all of you today. Yeah, yeah, really enjoyed it. Um, check out Hot Apollo. Um, okay. As we go out here, we'll listen to a little bit of uh, "We Don't Need More Songs About Underage Girls." Nice. All right. Mm -hmm. Y'all have a good day. Thanks, everybody. Bye.
Twitter. Yeah, uh-huh, pod. Instagram. Yeah, uh-huh, pod. Facebook. Yeah, uh-huh, pod. Website. www.yeah-uh-huh.com. So let us know. Hit us back. Have a great week. Hey.